Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. I'm your host, Steve Beatty, and I am sitting in for John Steele today because John is sitting across from me. We have a special episode. We're going to be interviewing John and getting to know more about his story. How do you feel about that today, John? (laughs) I have mixed feelings. I'm excited. I'm nervous. But hey, before we totally hand the uh, hosting reins over to you, Steve, first time on the podcast here, let people know who you are. Yes. Well, I am Steve. I work for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship in Southern Minnesota. I'm the area director for our undergraduate ministries there. I'm a son. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I've got four children. I follow them around a lot. I'm a sports enthusiast to some levels. I enjoy hockey. That's probably my, my favorite sport. I'm a Midwesterner through and through. I'm the grandson of not just one, but two lumberjacks. Both my grandfathers wow. were lumberjacks. My father was a miner. We're blue-collar folks from the forests of northern Minnesota and uh, the big lake, Lake Gitchagumi. Wait, isn't Gitchagumi in the song about the Edmund Fitzgerald? Yeah, totally is. Oh, nice. Okay, so one more piece of housekeeping before we jump in here, and that's those of you who are tuning in waiting to hear whether or not you have won our season-end giveaway. Let me tell you, the winners are going to be announced at the end of the episode. So hang tight, and that'll be at the end here. So. Steve, if you're ready, I guess I'm ready. Yeah, I missed that giveaway. How do I get in? Um, I mean, you're not going to win, but... <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Too late. Sorry, Steve, you missed your chance. Well, should we jump back to you then? Yeah, let's do it. Well, John, as you sit in the interviewee chair, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Folks have had the chance to get to know you a little bit as you've interviewed other people, but we want to get to know the John Steele, the real John Steele a little bit more. So would you mind introducing yourself for us a little bit more? Yes. Let's see here. A little bit about me. John Steele. That's my name. I am also married, married to Caitlin. You may have heard her on an episode of the podcast this past summer. And uh, wow. (laughs) It's tough in that chair, isn't it? It is very difficult. I'm starting to feel the pain. Yes. So I am married, married to Caitlin. We've been married for eight and a half years now. We have two kids, Aurora, four years old, and Luna, five months old. So things are interesting in our house right now. We think Luna is maybe learning to sleep through the night. We'll see. I also live here in Mankato. I've been here for 13 years, but I'm from Warsaw, Indiana originally. Fun fact, and Steve's heard me say this a million times, Warsaw is the orthopedic capital of the world. You've never heard of Warsaw, most likely, but it is known in certain circles. <laughs> John, correct here. me if I'm wrong. Isn't yes. it also the uh, projector capital of America? <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's a capital for that, okay. but if you look at your projector screens in your school, your church, whatever it might be, and if it says daylight on it, that was also made in Warsaw, Indiana. We've got a few pretty unique claims to fame yeah, in Warsaw. Yeah, definitely notable. Yeah. Let's see here. I've been working with InterVarsity for 10 years. I actually just celebrated my 10-year anniversary. Yeah, congrats, man. Thanks. 10 years, a decade. Crazy. 
let's see here. Just a few different fun things. I enjoy gaming. I enjoy reading. I just finished my first time through the Harry Potter series. Wow. Enjoy board games and playing music. And fun fact for those of you listening as well, John Steele actually played at a Nashville bar open mic night and was able to sit down in front of a live audience and play a tune. That's big time. And you didn't get booed. I didn't. The Bluebird Cafe, where legend has it, Taylor Swift was discovered. Wow. I did not get discovered that day. Well, we're still waiting, folks. Um, Hey, if anybody's listening out there, musical producers, John Steele, Bluebird Cafe. That's right. It was a fun time. When you think of Taylor Swift, you will synonymously think of John Steele as well very soon. Exactly. John, I think as we think about our history, we've known each other for 13 years. You know, God gives blessings to people, right? One of the blessings of my life is not only our friendship, but I was actually your staff worker and your wife's staff worker at university, which is pretty special. I know a detailed amount of your school upbringing. A lot of folks may not know, but why don't you walk us through what was your school upbringing, your K through 12 experience, you know, what led you to the college you chose, what brought you to Minnesota State University, Mankato? I mean, let's start all the way back at preschool three. I went to, pre- <laughs> <laughs> I went to preschool at Warsaw Christian. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah. So I, I went to Christian schools through my entire life through college. I went to college at Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana, where I sort of roamed around trying to figure out what I was actually going to study for a long time. And finally, I took an abnormal psych class. And it was just one of those few moments where you just have absolute clarity in life. (laughs) I was like, this is it. Finally, after taking 10 different intro courses, I have found my major. And then I did my grad work, got a master's degree in clinical psychology at Minnesota State. That was from 2009 to 2011. And it was there as a grad student that I got connected to InterVarsity for the first time. What was that like stepping into a master's program at a medium-sized state school that sometimes can be notoriously known as a party school by the outside public? What was your perspective as you stepped into that experience? It was one of the strongest experiences of culture shock that I've ever had. Been a few different places and experienced culture shock, but this was like, okay, here I am, a couple of years. Thankfully, I had somebody in my corner that directed me towards InterVarsity. So a little bit of backstory. When I was at Indiana Wesleyan, I started dating a girl who was from Minnesota. We dated long distance for a couple of years. It was right around this time that I started looking at master's degrees and looked at Minnesota State and decided, okay, this is pretty close. It can be closer than 10 hours away, and we can start to sort out whether or not this is going to actually happen long term. So moved to Mankato to be closer to this girl, and that was where I started interacting with my master's cohort and realizing that our life experiences were very different from each other. And I hadn't had a lot of experience with that. So I remember I was talking to my girlfriend about this and she said, you know, there's this thing at Winona State that I've been checking out called InterVarsity. You should see if there's something like that on your campus. So I looked up InterVarsity, saw the large group meeting times and I remember going in, and this is not meant to be a commentary on Mankato University, but in that moment, it was just so weird. (laughs) Like, people were super welcoming. It was awesome. It was not them. It was me. But I just remember feeling so out of place. I didn't come back for a little while after that. (laughs) 
But then I came back to a large group early spring semester. And I remember there was an invitation for, hey, before we jump into worship, we just want to let people know we're actually looking to grow our worship team. It would be really great if we had people who could sing and play guitar and maybe help lead worship. And I was sitting there being like, are you serious, God? I came just to be a part of the group here. But, you know, they're talking about exactly my skill set. You know, it's been months since I've been here and tonight's the night they're talking about this. Okay. So afterwards, I went up and started conversations around joining worship team. And it was just a couple months later that I was on a leadership retreat. And then in the fall, I was the worship leader. InterVarsity started off as a place where I could go and just kind of be safe. Like, okay, I can be with other Christians here. This is good. What I didn't expect was that InterVarsity was going to be the place that said, yeah, come be a part of this community, but we're not here to just protect you from the big bad campus. We love the campus. We know that God is doing a lot of great work here. And we actually think you should be a part of that too, by going back to your classmates and developing relationships and being a part of their life in meaningful ways. And so Indiana Wesleyan was great for building a strong foundation of faith. University at Minnesota State was what helped me really move it forward with Jesus on mission. Well, from your university experience, what were some of those standout memories that you might have? Was it conferences, different events, the spiritual formation that happened on campus? There are two different memories that stand out to me. One of them is we would frequently do manuscript studies during large group. And I remember engaging so much more thoughtfully with scripture during that time than what I had in the past that I would walk away from every study just being like, man, I am not as great as I thought I was. <laughs> and I remember talking to you at one point and then it became this ongoing thing where I walked away from studying a text being like, man, I just, I just feel like a turd after that study. <laughs> and, and you were quick to jump in and be like, maybe it wasn't exactly like this, but it was to the effect of, yes, we are turds, but we are turds with hope. We have hope in Jesus that as we draw closer to him, like that's a part of what happens is that we recognize more and more the sin that's in our lives. But thankfully, we aren't just left in this shameful state. We have hope in Jesus. And that was super important, recognizing that I had a whole lot of self-righteousness coming in to the chapter. I remember just being shocked having a conversation with somebody about, oh, this reminds me of Phil. And they're like, I've never heard that story before. I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you read the Bible? I didn't say it like that to them, but internally, it was just this very judgmental attitude because I had the great privilege of spending all of this time. Like I had Bible class every day for like 12 years. And then I took a New Testament survey and an Old Testament survey in college. So I had a lot of really cool teaching and digging into scripture in this way really put a spotlight on that very self-righteous attitude. So I'm really grateful because I was not left in this guilty state and I was left in this place of like, and this is why I need Jesus. One of many reasons. That's one thing that stands out to me. The other is a phrase that you know well, which is, I don't know, Steve. <laughs> Man, the number of times after large group that we would clean up, we would put everything back in storage. We would use my truck for hauling stuff around and then I'd take you to your house and drop you off. And the number of Thursday nights that we would sit in my truck for, I don't even know how long, sometimes it was probably two minutes, sometimes it was probably an hour. And you would just check in. How are things going? How's this with this person in your class? How's this project? How are you developing with Jesus? And every time my, my answer would be this very breathy, I don't know, Steve. <laughs> Speaks to the process. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I just remember that being so huge for me, again, in this brand new context that I was 
starting to find my legs in, but just to have somebody like you that was there every week and even more than every week and feeling like, okay, there is somebody who sees me. There's somebody who cares about what's going on and that can give me space just to externally process. That was huge. So two of my standout memories among many, but those are two of the big ones. All right. So you've just graduated from Minnesota State with your master's in clinical psychology. You're thinking about the career options that you have in front of you. What was going through your mind? I mean, even as I think about going from Indiana Wesleyan to Minnesota State into life after college and grad school, the things I anticipated happening, very few of those actually came to fruition as I anticipated them. Like when I graduated from Indiana Wesleyan, my thought was, okay, I'm going to Minnesota State. I'm going to be closer to this girl that I've been dating. We're going to get married. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to go on to get a PhD and start a private practice and make tons of money. And I did go to Minnesota State and I did graduate. Those two things happened. But other than that, nothing turned out the way I anticipated. Before we even got through my first year of grad school, I had broken up with this girl. So that started me wondering, like, God, what are you doing? Why did I come here to this school if I'm not going to be with this person? Then move ahead about another year, almost exactly, as we're waiting for decision days from PhD programs. You know, we've applied to all these different programs, and you're waiting to hear back from them. And slowly but surely, every letter that I was getting from these programs were rejections. So got rejected from every PhD that I applied to. What was weird was that every rejection letter actually felt like a huge relief. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so it was this weird experience of like, oh, thank goodness. I didn't know what I was going to do there anyways, but also feeling very like, well, but what's wrong with me? (laughs) Like, why reject me? And so, you know, it was at that time that my perspective started to shift on what am I doing here? If not to go on to a PhD, if not to marry that person, why did I even come here? I had that conversation with God so many times. So then it was conversations with you. I can't tell you how many times we had the conversation that went something like, you should join staff because you'd be good at this. And thinking, nah, I'm not interested in doing that. I'm getting a PhD. And then all those rejections came in. I sat down with one of our mutual friends, Barry, shout out to Barry, Dr. Reese, who was one of my letter writers. And he said, maybe you should listen to that. The fact that this is a huge relief. Do you think there could be a reason for that? And it was walking away from that conversation that I was like, holy crap, I think I'm going to join staff with InterVarsity or at least apply. In the interim, I started working as an adjunct in the psych department at Minnesota State, teaching, found out that I love teaching, had no idea, and then started the application process for joining staff with InterVarsity and unofficially volunteered with the Mankato chapter. And then, I mean, that's what led into full-time staff work and, you know, eventually marrying a student. It was crazy. Totally different story than I expected to be living right now. But here we are. The adventure continues. I don't know if you ever feel this way, but I often look back on my life and think how often my life was guided by my own interests, you know, and just different things like my priorities and just wonder at what level of sort of humor and patience is God watching that happen, but also redirecting "Hmm, maybe this over here. Well, you've had the opportunity to sit in the host chair for every episode asking your guests, you know, what advice do they have for someone who is looking at life beyond college? So what advice do you have for someone living the post-college life? I mean, I think I can sum it up in three words. Listen to after four 
listen to after us forwards. Try to make a joke it's and then sound like an idiot. I mean, I, I say that tongue in cheek. I do think that we have some helpful things. to. That would be great if people wanted to listen to After 4 for real, though. I think big picture life after college is hard. That's just the reality. That's something that I didn't anticipate. So if there's a new grad listening, you're not messed up because you're having a hard time post-college. At least you're not any more messed up than the rest of us moving into our post-college experience. None of us know how to do this. So keep going. In the midst of difficulty, Jesus is for you. It's so easy to forget and just feel like, man, God's just against me. The path is not opening up in front of me the way that I thought it was. God is just against my happiness. No, the sovereign, almighty creator is for you. The savior of all of us is for you. Yes, he might be trying to correct and challenge and move you in a different direction than you anticipate, but he is for you. It's just a matter of being patient and continuing on in that process. One of the things that I've been learning recently that I think has an impact on my ability, our ability to actually keep moving forward in the midst of difficulty is the time that I've spent examining myself and realizing where my hope actually is. That so often my hope is in the circumstances around me. Like right now, some people will be able to identify, some, some won't, that's okay. So often I find my hope in, are our children going to sleep through the night tonight? If they sleep through the night, tomorrow will be a good day. <laughs> or can I exercise without injuring myself? <laughs> Big. <laughs> yeah. And things that are much bigger than that as well. Do we have the money that we need to accomplish the things that we're hoping to accomplish, to pay for daycare, to pay for groceries, to even be able to give some away? And that, gosh, so often my hope is in these external circumstances that sometimes the answer is yes. And then a lot of times the answer is no for one of these things or another. And I can just be left in this heap of frustration and sadness of like, my life just sucks right now and it's just never going to get better because this kid will not sleep through the night. <laughs> I cannot get the rest that I want. Uh, maybe it sounds silly as I'm saying it, but when I can step back and actually examine those things and say, but my hope is not in those things. My hope is in Jesus, that Jesus has accomplished what needs to be accomplished, that there's still work to be done of bringing about the kingdom, but that Jesus has the victory. I can hold firmly to that. And what does it look like for me to partner with him in that and to trust that the things that I have are the things that he's given to me, the things that aren't going the way that I wanted to, I, I just don't need them. They don't need to be a part of the equation right now. And all these things will rise and fall, but Jesus will maintain. If I am regularly refreshing my hope in Jesus, then it makes it feel possible to keep going. Jesus is actually for me in the midst of this, and I can keep moving forward because my hope is in him and the things that he's already accomplished and what he will accomplish along the way. Here we are in the Advent season as well, right? And what a great reminder it is that Jesus actually stepped in to our life experience and lived it. I think that's part of the confidence, too, that we have a God who's lived this life, right? Yeah. Done this very thing. The Messiah came and did that, which should be, hopefully, encouraging to us, to alumni. Well, here we are sitting in this podcast. Let's talk a little bit about the podcast. Let's do it. Yeah. How did the podcast start? Why did it start? Well, great questions. So back in 2020, when the world was falling apart around us, I was on sabbatical. <laughs> it was a great sabbatical. I thought I'd found my calling. I remember telling you, Steve, I think I could do sabbatical full time. Anyways, came back from sabbatical in that summer of 2020. And a friend of ours, Luke, who works with the alumni team, 
he was like, hey, we're talking about starting a podcast for alumni. You came to mind as a potential host. Is that something that you would enjoy doing? I'm like, dude, you have no idea how much I want to do this. So you're my supervisor at the time, got the green light from you. And so we moved forward with this and just jumped in head first. I had no clue what I was doing. So I was just like quickly doing research on what equipment do I need? How do I send a podcast to Spotify to get them to put it on there? Turns out you don't. But I learned stuff by researching or just by copying, <laughs> like copying what other people were doing. So much of our structure is just based on the other podcasts that I really enjoyed listening to and being like, I'll just do it that way. That seems to work for them. So we started with just these four test run episodes, and then we decided, hey, let's keep making more. And here we are two years later, still doing it. We started doing it because, I mean, it's right there in the intro. Life after college is hard. It can be a challenging shift. And man, it kind of feels like we give our best to students while they're on campus. And then we just sort of like wish them good luck after they graduate. Have fun out there. Consider giving to your chapter if we even make that invitation. But it's just like, thanks for being here. See you later. And I think there's probably a lot of hurt feelings over that. I know that I've gotten messages from alumni in the past that I've worked with as students that are like, I kind of feel like InterVarsity just forgot about me. And we want to change that. There are a lot of different things that are happening to change that. This podcast is just one of them. But we want to do better by our alumni. Even for me personally, like I said, there's so many students that I wish I had done better with, not only as a student, but then also as an alum. So there is part of this for me that almost just feels like kind of a, a love letter to Mankato alumni that I've gotten to interact with as students. And that's why right before we jump into every interview that I always say, this one's for you, alumni, because at least in part, it's like alumni that I know this is for you to help you engage well with post-college life and to keep pursuing Jesus and walking with Jesus for the long haul. So how would you say things are different now than they were a year ago or even two seasons ago at the very start? I mean, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of things that are the same. I still have very little clue what I'm doing. <laughs> still That's <a> evident. Of... <laughs> oh my goodness. Especially if they ever watch what I'm doing on Instagram, they're like, this guy doesn't have a clue. He doesn't know anything. <laughs> Still learning a lot. Let me just say the learning has not ended. So that's one way that it's the same. Still interviewing alumni. That's always going to be a, a bulk of what we're doing. Things that are different. We, we tried some different stuff this season. We jumped into some different topics, different formats, even some different artwork. Did a few mini series like with our post-college goat, the Y series, Y Advent, Y Lent. We released a whole lot more episodes this season. In 2021, we released 16 episodes. In 2022, we released 43 episodes, over a thousand minutes of After Four this year. So that's been really cool. But I mean, the main difference has come from our audience. Our audience is very different than it was a year ago or at the outset. Our listenership has just grown by leaps and bounds, which has been really exciting. For Spotify, 92% of our current listeners found us this year. Wow. So just an explosion in listenership in 2022, which is super exciting. One of the things that's comforting to me is that I know it's not just my mom listening. That's more work than, than she could do on her own. <laughs> Amazing as she is. Yes, I know that she listens, but uh, it's nice that it's more than just mom. Thanks, mom. Do you have any favorite moments from the podcast over these last two seasons? 
I really have enjoyed all of these interviews that I've gotten to do, but there are definitely some moments that just like stand out as, oh gosh, that really hit home for me in a really cool way, or it was just something I didn't expect to get to do. Getting to talk to Choma about grad school, even though grad school was one of the hardest phases of life for a number of different reasons, it is something that I look back on with so much fondness. So to get to spend a couple episodes reliving that with Chioma, you know, for her it was law school, for me it's grad school, but just to be able to find these moments of mutual experience, like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what you're talking about. That was really fun. The post-college GOAT series, you know, talking relatively concrete skills just being creative about like, gosh, what are some things that I think would be helpful for somebody right after they graduate? What's something that I would have wanted to know? All right, here's five or six episodes to help with that. It was also fun just to do something totally different with our artwork. You've got this goat that finds itself in these sort of different scenarios every week. You know, it's standing at a crossroads trying to figure out where's the right church for me. And then there's one we were talking about how to nail the interview for your first big job out of college. And the goat in that one finds itself in an interview and it's just a silly scenario, but also just last minute threw a tie onto him. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just fun. Like these moments where I can just be silly, like this is totally over the top, but it's fun to get to do some of those things and just feel like out of left field. I hope to do more of those kind of things. And, you know, I have to say Getting a yes from Tom Lin was a surprising moment. I jokingly asked. The original request was, would Tom be willing to do a 90-second soundbite, just a word of blessing for new alumni? And then just jokingly after that, I said, unless he wants to join us for a whole episode, ha ha ha. And then the response back was, yeah, Tom would love to join you for an episode. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. no. <laughs> what you did I get really myself into? Together. <laughs> exactly. Be careful what you wish for. What was funny then following that was he had a whole bunch of stuff going on right as I was also about to go into paternity leave. And so they asked if they could reschedule. And so Tom Lin, the president who has so graciously offered me an hour of his time to sit down and have a conversation, <laughs> I said no to rescheduling. <laughs> Such a jerk. So I asked him to still do this interview in the middle of this crazy season. And he said yes, which shows you alumni how much, you know, the president of InterVarsity, this organization loves and thinks about you, that he was willing to say yes to that. That was amazing. His flexibility <laughs> in the middle of me not being flexible. Those are some things that stand out to me as like, wow, it's fun that I got to do that. That is exciting. It's fun to hear those stories from previous episodes. But what are some of the moments that we did not get to hear that were left on the cutting room floor? Yeah, there were several of those. Let's see here. I had my first F-bomb in an interview. <laughs> just one of those moments the person was feeling really spirited about what they were talking about. And just boom, there it was. Didn't bother me, but it left me in this place of like, gosh, do I leave that in as just a very real part of the interview and then just bleep it? Do I have to say that it has explicit content? If there's a bleep, I don't know. So it was just like, I don't even want to deal with it. So I just removed it. You couldn't even tell that it was supposed to be there. But yeah, I had my first F-bomb. Oh, so this was at the very end of the post-college GOAT series. I announced that we're going to go into a break for a few weeks, and then our first episode back will be Tom Lin. And, you know, in movies, somebody walks into a room, not supposed to be there. There's music playing in the background, and there's this record scratch, and everybody stops and looks at the person that walks in. Well, I thought, oh, that could work really nicely here. So I included a record scratch sound effect when I said Tom Lynn is going to join us on the podcast, thinking like that's a pretty big deal. 
But me not knowing how copyright stuff works for anything, even sound bites, I was like, I don't want to like use one that somebody's already made. So I made my own record scratch. Wow. Yeah. So what I did, actually the sweatshirt that I'm wearing right now as we're talking, I just zipped up my sweatshirt and then just did all of these different iterations of zipping and unzip. Yeah. Unzipping my sweatshirt and trying to get sort of that kind of feel from a record scratch. And so in the archives on my computer, there is this long stretch of like 10 different record scratch sounds or what would become record scratch sounds as I did stuff in post-production with it. But one of them, I must have been holding my sweatshirt too close because I zip and catch my stomach in the zipper. (laughs) So in this long stretch of record scratch sounds, all of a sudden you hear this, oh, (laughs) that, uh, you know, of course, didn't didn't make it into the episode. But it was fun to do some of those things. Last one I'll share about the post-college goat coming back to that, the artwork, you know, we talked about this goat and these different vignettes. It was going to be totally different. It wasn't going to be called the post-college goat. I was going to call it absolutely crushing it. And the artwork for it was actually strong man arms with a graduation cap. We're going to do all these topics for like absolutely crushing it in life after college. And I sent this off to some current college students that I know asking, I know that you're not graduating, but does this land for you? And the guy that I asked, he was like, oh, yeah, that's super funny. And the girl was like, yeah, I don't get it. That's not really (laughs) landing for me. And I got that feedback from another woman. Uh, I was like, "Okay, so maybe this is not hitting a broad enough demographic here. (laughs) So this is like the night before I release the episodes. You know, I've worked up all of this artwork for it and I totally scrapped all of it in including the sound bites that I had created because there's this recurring sting that happens for each episode. And I was like, well, I can't use that either. And then that's when it became the post-college goat that I thought, okay, this might be a little bit more broadly accessible because it's just silly. And, you know, some muscle-bound dude absolutely crushing it is supposed to be over the top and silly, but it was like, well, maybe that's not quite connecting the way I wanted it to. So as I think about, you know, moments that were left on the cutting room floor, and there are others that I'm not sharing because I'm hoping to actually release some of those as kind of mini episodes. So you'll get to hear more that didn't originally make it, but those are ones that will never see the light of day. John, this has been great. It's been fun for me to jump into a podcast with you to just hear more about your story, your process through the podcast. I'm wondering, now here's your chance as the interviewee, what would be your final words to your listeners? What would you say to them as you close out season two and this episode of the podcast? First of all, we've got some really awesome alumni that are just doing some really crazy things. So that alumni, you are awesome. But also just want to say it might not always feel like it, alumni, but you are playing a part in changing the world. You are also being transformed. It's possible that right now it feels more like it's about your transformation and there's not a whole lot of output that's happening. That's okay that it feels that way, but the Lord is using you to be a part of changing the world around you. And that's really exciting. We're really proud of you, alumni. We're glad to be able to say that we're doing this stuff together, and that's awesome. I think the only other thing to say is thank you to alumni. Thanks so much for listening. After Four exists to serve you. We want it to help encourage you to keep following Jesus for your whole life. And so it's just fun knowing that more and more of you are tuning in. It's exciting because it lets me know that we're actually on to something here, that this might be a useful tool. And it just means a lot to me that we get to be a part of this together. So thank you, alumni, for being a part of the After Four community. Well, John, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. It was a pleasure for me to be able to host. And good luck with season three. We look forward to it.
Thanks for having me, Steve. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, I appreciate the invitation. Uh, it's been great to be here. No, this has been a lot of fun. You did a fantastic job. Thanks just for say. having me. Oh, of course. Hey, it's been great. And yeah, excited for season three coming soon. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you in 2023. Well, I don't know if you could tell, but that was a whole lot of fun for me and Steve. I hope that you enjoyed listening to a couple of old friends banter back and forth and just talk about life. Steve, thanks again for joining. You did a fantastic job. There's nearly two more hours of that conversation, which includes some more really great questions from Steve. So you're likely going to get to hear a bit more of that in the near future. So stay tuned. For now, though, there are some people waiting with bated breath to hear their name called for this season-end giveaway. Let me just say, we decided to up the ante on this a little bit. Today's winners aren't just going to get a book or a piece of merchandise from an alumni-owned business. They're going to get some of both. They're going to receive all of the books mentioned in the giveaway and a piece of merchandise from an alumni-owned business. I mean, what can I say? Santa really came through this year, friends. It's pretty exciting. So, without any further ado... Our winners for the end of season two giveaway are Grace Tran, Anika Vaults, Matt Chung, Steph Schultz, and one of our amazing alumni guests, Kim Espinal. Congratulations to the five of you. You are walking away with your own copies of God Speaks Through Wombs, Wait With Me, and Making Room in Advent, along with an item from one of our amazing alumni-owned businesses. Grace, Anika, Matt, Steph, and Kim, thank you so much for entering. Thank you for listening. And thank you for being a part of the After Four community. You mean so much to us, and we're really excited to pass these cool gifts along to you. I hope you enjoy them. Well, that's it, friends. We have officially wrapped season two. It's been a blast hanging out with you this year, but stay tuned because I heard there might be some extra after four gifts coming your way this Christmas season. Then we're going to be back on January 24th with season three. You're going to get more of the alumni interviews that you love along with a few new formats. So keep your ears open for some bonus content coming your way and then come on back January 24th for more after four. As always, please be sure to subscribe, rate and review and share after four with your friends. Thanks so much for listening and for making it a great season. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. For those of you who are going to be at Urbana, I am excited to see you there next week. The rest of you, I will see you after the New Year, alumni. I'm not clipping here. Mad clipping, dog. Clip, 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 clip. <laughs> Have fun editing that. That's going to be awesome. Can't wait. Good. That'll be, that'll be on my computer forever. <laughs> Saved in triplicate. We could just talk about that. Should we talk about projectors? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't even. Um, that. <laughs> That's good. Compelling and rich. Sure. Let's. I mean, let's start all the way back at preschool three. I went to preschool. <laughs> <laughs> this is like Goonies, man. <laughs> kindergarten. <laughs> I'm confident that none of them actually were farts, but I tell you what, I could embarrass some guests by leaving some of those things in. I chose to remove them, though. No farts allowed. Good for our listeners to be able to, to hear that as well. Your listeners. I, oh, won't, I won't include myself. Yeah, now. Now. <laughs> yeah, three minutes story shorter that I'm making longer. <laughs> I'm so much worse than Steve Hartman. He's the best of the Steves. Um, but, you know. Cut. Wrap. Yes. Ship it as is. <laughs> okay. Two hours, 18 minutes. Ooh, boy. Good luck.